Welcome to Multiculturalism Happens Here. I am Isaac Relas and I work with Visions Inc., a nonprofit established in 1984. We are a catalyst for a more equitable world where differences are valued and used for the benefit of all. Our goal is to address national and local issues through the lens of multiculturalism. Hello. Today we're going to be talking about feelings, but not just good old feelings. We're going to be talking about our feelings as tools for anti-oppression, what we like to call feelings as messengers. In a monocultural setting, we are often asked to follow the norms. Some of the cultural norms are not bringing up your feelings or this idea that there are negative feelings. In the workplace, at school, within our communities of faith, governments, as they become more diverse, the need for an emotional literacy has grown higher and higher. When the norms of the workplace also meet the personal cultural norms of the people inhabiting the space, usually it's easy to avoid tension. But as those spaces have become more diverse, the tension is there. The reality is, is that at the interpersonal level, We're having misses. And at the personal level, people are feeling as though they aren't able to express themselves. Institutions at the institutional level need to realize the ways in which that their norms are uplifting monoculture and not making room for multiculturalism. Because multiculturalism is all about differences, it is inevitable that when we have those differences in the same space, that they will disagree, and that some of those experiences might have negative impacts, negative emotional impacts, usually on those that are not within the power structure. As a healer, I like to think of feelings and emotions as energy in motion that is out of balance. And we want to bring that energy back into balance. In Vision's language, we like to think of what is the stimulus? What are your feelings reacting to? No matter what your feelings are reacting to, there is a number of ways to address that. The first thing we want to do when addressing or working with feelings is become aware of our feelings. The easiest way, or the simplest way, better said, to become aware of our feelings is by using the feelings wheel. Often feelings can seem very complicated, and they usually are. But it's helpful to have a way to simplify the feelings. And so by using the feelings wheel, we can usually discern the root of our feeling. And that is awareness. Awareness of, am I feeling joyful, powerful, peaceful, sad, angry, or scared? And the next piece is to think about the feeling and identify the need. Each of these feelings has sort of an algorithm, has a code, a formula to how to meet the need that is stemming from the root feeling. The next piece is to act to get the need met and then experience relief or recycle the process. Feelings as messengers have been a powerful experience for me. I'll say one story, and then I'll share a second one. But first, let's talk about liberation. Doug Weinstock, 
I have turned 70 years old in this current year of 2018, which makes me feel like uh, definitely an old person. And uh, I, I am a male, identify and present that way, and uh, heterosexual, been married to a woman for decades and decades of my life, um, and I would say that I am a, a wealthy person in the relative sense of the uh, economic sense, as an owner of two homes, that to me that defines being wealthy, as challenging as that is sometimes to say. And uh, I identify as Jewish-ish uh, in the sense that I, I'm not a pra- I don't practice the religion, and I have some cultural identity with some of the values that I think come with Judaism. Liberation, it's, it's not a f- term I think much about, and being asked to think about it, I think about it at the personal level of liberating myself as a white person, as a man, and and many other aspects of historically included social identity, I guess. Liberating from the... The liberation is coming to understand the significance of my identity in a way that I never knew for most of my life. Um, So I think that's that feels liberating even as it is sometimes challenging. And at the institutional or the societal or structural level, to me liberation is how to create a society, an organization, whatever, in which people are able to be, bring their full selves, be more of their full selves, be recognized for what they have to offer, not be invisible. To me, that that's liberation of, of each of us as human beings and allowing me... I mean, the liberation of others allows me to feel more hopeful about the state of the world or the state of organizations or the state of society. So now liberation at the interpersonal level for me is feeling freer in my interactions with people across difference. So liberating the constraints I may have put on myself or the anxieties I've felt, etc. So the liberation is having to be engaging in more authentic ways across difference. Thinking about liberation at the cultural level um, well I mean, it's some, I don't know if this will be liberation. Liberation would be that the unwritten rules of how one is supposed to be in order to succeed or be accepted would be transparent. So I guess that's one aspect that I think of as what liberation would look like at the cultural level. So, I mean, for me, it's important to think about Liberating, when I think about our liberation, it's others being liberated. And so it's important for me to realize and to try to appreciate, and I think more than I do now, what that liberation will bring me personally in terms of my 
comfort with what the future is going to be, the near future, the far future for my family generations of you know children and grandchildren. So I guess that's where I, I think about it. Maybe at my age now, is that it's it's to uh, provide some some hopefulness around that. first story that I would like to share has to do with the power of really getting into the weeds of becoming aware of the feeling and then really moving into expressing the need, acting to get that need met. And it had to do with my boss. And by boss, I mean the CEO, the head honcho, the rector of the parish that I was working at. I didn't notice that I was always quiet in all staff meetings. I didn't, I wasn't aware that I was not participating as much as I should be or that I could be. And that was because I was scared. And so instead of moving through the motions around what it meant to be scared, I would just shut down. One of the things that we talk about when it comes to feelings is that at the root, root, root of heavy feelings is this fight or flight. And so I would flight, not physically, but mentally, um, I would not express myself. If I did agree or didn't agree, if I had an idea, whatever it be, I did not do it. And it finally was brought to my attention that I have a fear around white men in authority. And when I practice being self-focused, I know that that has to do with my own personal history and growing up, and my relationship with white males in authority, and the way that I perceived their intentions towards me, which were usually not a loving or empathetic understanding, but usually critical, scornful, ready to inflict some sort of consequence on me, whether I was doing anything right or wrong. And so I was projecting all of this onto my boss. And this has been my experience as a young Latinx person moving in in the world within the United States was being treated less than poorly and even violently by white men in authority. And so until I was able to express to him in a very intimate setting that I become afraid when I'm around him and I shut down, In which case he was able to respond with a, I feel that, I hear that, and I want you to know that you can trust me and that I have your back. And after that experience, I really did feel like he had my back. And I had already used up at least two years working there where I really was not vocal or active when I was around him. And so at the personal level... I was shutting myself down. I was censoring myself. I was not bringing my full self into work. At the interpersonal level, I was not making connections with the people that I needed to be making connections with, like my boss. And if I want to move up or if I want to do well in an organization, I have to be able to build those relationships. And so at the interpersonal level, I was not doing that work. That also takes me to the institutional level 
because I was not able to put myself in a position to win, to grow within the organization. If every time I'm around the big boss or the bosses, I'm shutting down. Because the other part is that if I had a good idea or if I had some feedback, I would usually just give it to my direct supervisor and just ask him to share it, which he would. And I appreciated big time because that's what I was asking for at the time. And I had to realize that my feelings are worth processing. My feelings are worth sharing. And that sometimes, whether I believe it or not, my feelings are a part of what's stopping me from being my better, bigger, higher self and bringing that into all of these spaces. The other example that I want to share is me dealing with a microaggression at work. So I was working in a setting where there was a lot of volunteers and one of the volunteers at one of the events that I was hosting did not want to set up the event on the day of the way that I had planned out to do it. And this volunteer was a lot older, white, and was a woman. And every decision that I was delegating would sort of come back with a, oh, we tried doing that, but this person was, you know, not letting us and said that that's the wrong way. And finally, you know, the event is going to start soon and I need to organize the team and make sure that we're moving forward at an appropriate pace. I go up to the person and I ask them, hey, what's going on? I'm wondering why we're struggling and I'm hearing from others that you don't agree with the decisions that I'm making. And so she says, well, yeah, I don't agree. And I think that you're doing it wrong. And I say, okay, I hear that. And this is my event. And this is the way that I planned it. And so this is the way that it's going to go down. And her response was, well, that's wrong. And I just can't do that. I can't support that. And I had to say, I'm sorry, and that sounds like a boundary for me. And if you're a volunteer that's doing this work under my leadership, I'm really struggling to understand why you don't like the way that I'm planning this out, except for the racist impact that it's having on me. In which case, she got mad that I was implying that she was racist, and I told her, I'm not telling you that you're racist. I'm telling you that your actions are having a racist impact on me. And she kind of got mad and the other volunteers kind of had to take, you know, help her out. I mean, she ended up leaving like the the event before it started. And it felt so good to not have to just hold my feelings in and to not just have to pretend like everything is fine and then go home and actually be annoyed and be mad and feel like this person crossed a boundary and that they shouldn't have. Luckily, because of my experience with the first story, I knew that my boss would have my back no matter what and that I was not going to respond to her in a way that was disrespectful, but that I was going to respond to her in a way that's very honest and where I was going to stay in my power and where I was going to use my feelings to navigate this microaggression that I was experiencing. And these are the ways that I believe feelings, emotions are tools for anti-oppression.
Thank you for joining us. This has been Multiculturalism Happens Here. If you found this helpful, resourceful, give us a like, subscribe, share, or positive review. Consider giving to Visions, link down below, or joining us for one of our workshops, trainings, or youth summits. Interested in having us come to you? Contact us for more info. Keep rocking the free world, stay you, and be different. Much love, family.